This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talk Sport Fan Network is probably supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18-plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Welcome to College Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and co-hosting is Max Cohen. This is our match preview of Huddersfield Town versus Fulham. It's going to be a different show this week. This show is entitled Three Keys to Victory Against Huddersfield Town. Max will be sharing his three keys to Fulham beating Huddersfield Town, along with several other topics to our preview. However, to start this show, we're going to be looking back at the Manchester City loss in the Carabao Cup. What can we learn from that? I think there's a good amount we can. But before we do anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Russ. It's kind of a nice feeling to have a weekend free of Fulham football for now. You know, no disappointment over Saturday or Sunday. But come Monday, it's going to be a big pressure match. And, you know, I can't wait, wait to talk all about it today. Listen, I look forward to it. And uh, like I mentioned, this week's show is a little bit different. I've been doing the view of the opposition but uh, I had it in my mind at some point I wanted to try something a little bit different. And this is a little bit different. We're going to be breaking down this match with keys to victory and looking at matchups. So I thought I would test it out. Let's see what the Fulham supporters and the Cottage Talk listeners think of it. And on top of it, we also have the Manchester City match to talk about. So I thought this was the perfect opportunity to 
basically suspend the view of the opposition show for just a week and let's see what people think about this type of preview. All right, my friend, let's get into it. So let's talk about the Manchester City loss. Got to be honest with you, going into it, did not have high hopes. And uh, I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised by the performance. That's my opening thoughts. And I have to also say, I was dead wrong on thinking that Savisa would go with, uh, say, an under-23 lineup. You even said under-18. We were joking about that. But he went with a very strong side. We'll get into that in, in just a second. But just give me your opening thoughts on the loss. Yeah, you touched on it uh, right there. We were both dead wrong. You know, We yes. were both joking before how this was going to be a game we were going to throw away, just play the reserves, if you will. But Suvisa actually did something, which to give him a lot of credit for, I think work wonders, and I think you're going to agree with me. Because totally agree. Because he needs totally to agree. get that consistency. Yep. And she saw, and this is why I think Slavisa is ultimately the, the right man for the job, because he sees things that a lot of people sometimes miss. He saw, listen, this is an opportunity where we're going to get a match in midweek right before Huddersfield. And I'm not just going to switch it up again. I'm going to keep what he thinks is his first choice lineup. Yep. Um, in many ways, I think he did that um, on Thursday night. And we didn't win. We didn't score a goal, sure. But I think what we did see was more defensive solidity. I'm going to have to give a lot of credit to Sergio Rico and goal. You know, I've not been his biggest fan in the past. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring him up. Go ahead. Honestly, I, I'll admit it. You can't really judge a player before he's played any matches for Fulham. And I'll have to say, if a, ma- if a player is good for Fulham, I'm going to be all behind him. Sure. I think I was more comfortable watching Fulham's defense against Manchester City away than I have been in the last couple of games, which is saying a lot. And I think that's a credit to how Rico commands his box. And also, I think the, the defense maybe is just beginning to mold a little bit, you know. And I think another part of that was also Ryan Sessing on our left back. Maybe he is our best defensive option in that position at the moment. Um, and, and, I, and I really think the performance is much improved from Bournemouth and certainly the Cardiff match. Absolutely, my friend. What's interesting about all this, you basically hit on many thoughts of my own, but the one word that kept coming out for me watching the match and thinking about what I expected, even with this lineup, I was expecting anywhere between three to five nil. That's what I was expecting. But what I saw was something similar. This went all the way back to preseason when I saw Fulham play against Lyon in the first half. And Lyon was dominant. But Fulham looked organized. And I kept saying to myself, Max, if they can play like this against Lyon on the road, I know it's preseason. Maybe this is the blueprint to how they can play against some of the bigger teams in the Premier League, like Manchester City, like Arsenal, like Liverpool. So that's what it brought me back to. And like I said, the word that kept coming to me was organization. It just looked like everyone knew what they had to do. And they made it harder on Manchester City than I believe they probably thought it was going to be. This was not a walk in the park. They had to work for it a little bit. They did. That's the way I saw it. You know, it's funny because if you go back to the Manchester City match when we played earlier in the Etihad, it was very easy for them. It was not easy here. Now, I understand that many of their best players were sitting on the bench, but you still had some marquee players out there, including Kevin De Bruyne. And Full made it harder than I think most thought it was going to be, Max. That's what I came away with. Yeah, um, and, and just a note on the De Bruyne situation. Yeah, he was obviously a different class. I mean, you have players like Gabriel Jesus as well. I mean, Vincent Company, John Stones. If that's your backup center back pairing, I mean, you how crazy is that? Exactly how, and, you, and now there are t- talks of a European Super League, and I think you can see why when teams have that many resources at hand to have company and stones as your your backup 
defensive pairing. I mean, I think any other team in the world would jump at having those two players there. Um, and, and of course, Phil Foden, um, an amazing young player who's tearing us apart. You can uh, see that. Yeah. And, you can see how good he's going to be. And Lily Rossani, another superb talent. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and we did all right. And I think that's the encouraging part. The one thing that really left me disappointed, which is a little bit worrying, was the attacking sense. Because, you know, we know it's going to be difficult the way the Etihad. But for me, Sherla and Vieto, they are terrible on the wings. They offered nothing. They, they didn't really track back much. I think Vieto, for me, was certainly weak. He gave the ball away so many times. And when we got forward, and I think the commentator said this, and it was pretty true, for Mitrovic, you need to get him involved. And you need to get him sure. involved through balls in the box. And there was no service. And when the service came from those two, it was so poor. That's, that's the real trade-off for me, is that we need wingers in those positions are so key if you're going to play that 4-3-3. And I'm torn because Sessegnon, I think he's far superior than Vieta right now in that position. Or even Sherlock, honestly. Both yeah. of them, I think he's a better attacking threat and offers more. But he's also played very, very well at left back. Um, acquitted himself very comfortably again against some really good attacking players. So it's another big selection headache, I think, for Slavisa. Okay, very good. And uh, to kind of what you just said, I understand what you're saying about attacking up front. I want to talk about the central midfield because I saw the makings of what I think can be a very good three. The midfield three again, but just three different players because I thought there were times, and again, I am looking at an entire match, and I'm looking at opportunities Fulham had that were not that many, but when they did and when they did have some sort of control, I could see the crisp passing, and I could see it going through the central midfield, which was encouraging, Max. I know what you're talking about further up the pitch, but when I looked at those three, I can see that threesome working together. That was encouraging for me. Yeah, and I think we, we all kind of talk about this. You know, the return of Kearney is just so vital in so many instances. I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and we saw, I think Seri did play better. I mean, first yeah. of all, just compare how he played in, in, in the Premier League match. You know, giving the ball away two minutes in. Night and day. Night, exactly, night and day. And I think the big difference was um, he stayed in the pitch this time. I think Salisa, <laughs> on some instances, right, he has not been afraid to take off Seri and make a whole sure. change. It's not working. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's not what happened on, uh, on Thursday night. So that's encouraging. And then with the defensive aspect, I really do think if we have more of the ball, it's just going to dictate that – the opponent is going to have less of it, and there are going to be less chances for our defense to get exposed. So Kearney, again, is so vital to that. Oh, um, I agree. But one thing we do have to cut out, and it still happens to us, is that we give away the ball too many times. Silly errors. Silly errors, and these errors. And it's, and it's just thing we're playing out of the back. And I understand the Tottenham philosophy. I understand that is how Salisa wants us to play. But if you have players who are just so wasteful in possession in our own defensive area, you're going to get punished. And... Especially against the team they played, exactly. Max. That was really the yeah. worst team to try to do that against. Yeah, exactly. You hit it right in that because Manchester City are the best team off the ball, I think, probably <laughs> in Europe right now. They know exact. Pep Guardiola knows exactly how to press teams, win the ball back in packs, and attack quickly. Um, and we, we just gave them too many easy opportunities. We're making it too easy on teams. Now, I don't think Huddersfield Town on Monday night are going to be that same level of offensive pressing, but we still cannot give the ball away in dangerous areas because it's just shooting ourselves in, in our foot. Totally agree with all that, but I'm glad that you brought up Huddersfield Town because we are obviously going to be previewing the match. And this goes back to how Savisa got it right. I got it wrong. You know, you could say you got it wrong too if you like, but 
I went in with this mentality that play the youngsters. We're not going to get anything out of it. Don't worry about it. It's not going to really hurt us in any way. Rest all of our key players. Get them ready for a huge Huddersfield Town match. And instead, he put them against Manchester City, pretty much our strongest side. We can argue about the center backs because I, I don't think those are our best center backs. And then when uh, when Brian returns, I think he'll probably be a left back. So I'm picking and choosing some players being in and out, but it's a pretty strong side he put out there. And I like the fact, after the fact, that I can look at it and say, you know what, I was totally wrong about this because I could see the mentality on this. Get them to play together. Get them used to playing together. Work on the organization against such a difficult opponent because your next opponent is nowhere going to be at that level. So you have that mentality. If I can handle playing against Manchester City, everyone below that is a step below, including Liverpool. They're not at this level. Manchester City are just at the highest level. Liverpool are just a mini step below, and it'll be difficult against Liverpool. But if you understand where I'm going on this, if you're facing the best, the best in the country, and you can hold your head high that you did your best and you made it difficult on them, then it's going to make it easier for you against Huddersfield Town. And you've already built that confidence that you can do it against them. So maybe it was a gamble. He doesn't look at it as gambles, as as we found out. He looks at the way he does things aggressively as that's the way to do it. So that was probably his mentality. I'm going to get them ready for the Huddersfield Town match by having them face Manchester City. And I got to say, my friend, I think it worked very well getting the team prepped and ready for Huddersfield Town. I didn't see it. I wanted him to go the other way. So Visa was right. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a miracle just to look back on the last couple of matches he played, right? Concede five against Arsenal, concede four against Cardiff, concede three against Bournemouth, concede two against Manchester City away. So even taking into account that, you know, it's, it's a Manchester City weak inside, we conceded more to Bournemouth, Cardiff, and Arsenal than we did to Manchester City away. And when he went there back early on in the season in the league, we conceded three. And we conceded four to Cardiff. So it's, it's amazing to look at our defense and see what happens when the mistakes get turned up and what can happen when we're a little, little bit more solid. And hopefully that progression, you know, the 5-4-3-2, hopefully it's just one against Huddersfield or even a miracle, the first clean seat of the season. Right, which would be fantastic. Yeah. But again, I understand now what he was trying to accomplish. And I think he accomplished it. Obviously, he wanted to win the match he already spoke about that after the match, that it's it's a disappointment. I'm paraphrasing what he said. But there are positives to take out of it, and that's why I'm glad we're focusing on that because I think there are several things you can say, okay, if they can really get themselves together, get into a groove, playing together as a team like they did against Manchester City, then we can start moving forward because you see glimpses of the team that they can be. I keep going back to the second half against Watford, the Burnley match. Those matches happen. That's a part of this story as well. Everyone wants to focus on all the losses, and I understand why you're doing that, but you cannot deny the good parts too, even though you might not think that there are many. That Burnley match, sorry, that was a very good performance. Second half against Watford. I could talk about a half against Brighton Hove Albion. I would even say the first half against Arsenal showed what you could potentially be playing against Arsenal at home. And then, of course, the second half, we know what happened in the second half. So 
I like the fact that he went with this. I was not for it, but this is what he went, and he, in my opinion, turns out to be right. So we're both surprised by the starting 11. I, I think that's obvious to say, Max. But let's just talk about one part that I'm still unsure about, and I, this has to be a talking point when we get into talking about the upcoming match. I don't like this center back pairing at all. In fact, I think it was Mike Gregg that said that if, if we go with Dennis Adoy and Tim Ream into the season, we'll get relegated. I actually agree with Mike on that because it's just not good enough. And I said this on the last show. Tim Ream is a player that I enjoy what he gave Fulham. He was the player of the season, and he earned it. He earned it the hard way. And we've given him time to get back to full fitness. Is he at full fitness? I don't know. But I'm watching him and thinking of a player that I love too, and that was Aaron Hughes. And when Aaron Hughes' legs went, it just wasn't good enough in the Premier League. And I look at Tim Ream entering the Premier League for a second time because he, he was with them with Bolton. I just don't think he has the pace, my friend. And then you have Dennis Adoy, who just isn't a Premier League center back. Let's be honest. He needs to make a change from these two center backs. It's such a tough one, Russ. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to stand up for Slavisa here because okay. he's been in a terrible situation. Let's just look at the five center backs he has, right? So yep. you have Ruben Adoy, and then you have Lawson, Chambers, LaMarshall, right? I cannot say the, the following three, other from Ruben Adoy, have anywhere near deserved the starting place either, right? Lawson, when he's been on, he's been inconsistent and he's been straight up terrible against that match against Watford. We all know that first half is probably one right. of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen, honestly. Shocking. Chambers, you can say the same thing for his performances um, against Tottenham and certainly his defensive performance, albeit at right back, uh, against Cardiff. And then Le Marchand, I, I think he's probably the best option out of the three, but at the same time, I have, we've not seen enough for him to say, listen, this guy can play in the Premier League. And then we're stuck with Riemann Adoy, and I think he's taking... The worst out of sorry, he's, he's making the best out of a bad situation, right? Why? But I think he's also taking the easiest route. It's because of I, consistency. Yeah, and I know. We have to go with players who at least know how to play with each other, and I think that's. But the Max, most, they are so limited. Back. They're so limited. But that's the problem. I, I agree. I I I always think that you know it's shocking that we're still playing Rio Nadoy in, in the Premier League, but the the, the the sad reality is the other options are probably worse. They really are. And that's just based on the way they've played the season. We've seen nothing from those other center backs to deserve a place above those players. Okay. And he's going with them is because they just know how to play together. They've Correct. Covered. But here's my counter to that. And I understand what you're saying. What we've seen so far, give two center backs a good three to five matches to really gel and come together and then make a judgment instead of chopping and changing and going back to two players that you happen to know well from your championship days, but you know aren't good enough. I would rather go through struggles for a few matches and let these guys come together, and then after three to five matches, if they're not good enough, then you go back to these guys. I'm, I'm, I, I hear that argument. I, I would like to have that argument, but this is the argument we should, we should have been having, or this is a situation that should have been happening in August or September. I know. It's now November, and we're in the bottom three, and this, another the sad reality is we don't have time to chop and change again. We don't really have, we can't, we can't afford to be, be expe- keep experimenting, keep experimenting. At some point, we're going to be cut adrift and there's no time for experimentation there. Well, that's why I think it has to happen 
now. Yeah. That's why when we talk about the Huddersfield Town match and we talk about, say, a starting 11, I don't want to see Riemann Adoy in there. And I have a feeling I'm going to see Riemann Adoy there because at some point, I think you have to say, okay, I'm going to give these two a shot. Lamarchon, Mawson, Chambers, Mawson, whatever you want to decide on giving a chance to two center backs. I think he needs to try these new guys and try to play them together for at least three matches. And I know what you're saying, why he ends up sticking with these guys, because he knows what he's going to get. I just think that it limits us to what we can become, if that makes any sense. I think that if you stick with these guys, maybe, maybe Mike is wrong and we don't get relegated. But I think if you stick with the two, then everyone talking about a relegation battle happens. If for some reason two players emerge out of the three I mentioned, out of Moss and LaMarchand and Chambers, and they become your two, I think that there's a higher upside. Yes, there's risk involved in doing this, but I would rather take the risk than going down the other path, which I think is a safe path. I want to go down the risk path because I think that has a much bigger reward. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, I, I, I hear you. I, but I feel that at this time, we, we talk a lot about Stavisa and, and chopping and changing and all of that and, and how important it is to keep a consistent lineup. Um, so maybe maybe you go with what happened against Burnley. And this is a kind of a compromise between our two positions. The Burnley match when he won 4-2. Yep. Who was the center back pair? Adoy, Lamarchand. Maybe that's the solution. That's, yeah. that's the trying Somewhere in between. Yeah. That's somewhere in the middle. And I mean, that's, I don't think any... Uh, combination of, of the five is really ideal considering how everyone's played, but maybe that is the answer going forward because Le Marchand has probably been the most consistent out of the following three who are not playing right now, but at the same time in that Burnley match, how did they score their first goal? A terrible giveaway by Le Marchand passing out of the back. And you can point to terrible individual mistakes out of all five, yep. you know, which is why it's so frustrating. And, you know, just to go back to a larger point, I think we all gave a lot of credit to, you know, Tony Khan this summer for his uh, transfers, and I think some of it is deserved. But one thing you have to point fingers at is we did terrible business in the center back market, and there's just no ignoring that. We did terrible business. Okay, okay, very good there, my friend. All right, good amount to talk about in this match, but let me just ask you one last time before we move on talking about the Manchester City loss. Do you feel better coming out of it? Because I know I do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think for sure because. At the same time, if we if if Silvisa had listened to us and played, you know, whatever the under twenty three, the under eighteen lineup, yeah. it, it truly would have been five or six, I, I believe. Yeah, and that just kills your confidence. And he realizes when you're on a losing streak and it's five in a row right now. One thing that just makes it even worse is just conceding more and more goals. And we kept it respectable at two nil, and that really, I think, in a way, lifted the heads of players. If they go and concede another five or six, that's just terrible. It's a terrible feeling around the club. And we avoided that, which is a positive. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's uh, move on and uh, let's get into talking about Huddersfield Town. Huge match on Monday night. We're recording this on Saturday. So we're going to spend some time going through this. Let's start with some information from whoscore.com to get us going. I know I use a lot of their information a good deal. I, I think it's interesting to talk about what they have to share. Let's start with... The statistical analysis between Huddersfield Town and Fulham, and uh, these stats are offensive stats, but I think they give you an idea 
of what these two teams are about. So let's start with goals where both teams are in the league. How does Phil Town outlast with four goals the entire season? Former tied at 11th with 11 goals. Shots per game. How does Phil Town are 17th in the league at 10.3? Foam are 8th with 13.1. Possession. How does Phil Town are 13th at 47.7? Foam are 7th with 52.2. Passing percentage. How does Phil Town are 15th at 77.2? Foam are 7th at 82.1. Crosses per game. Huddersfield Town are tied for second with 22. Fulham are currently 18th with 15. Long balls. Huddersfield Town are also tied for second with 72. Fulham are eighth at 65. And short passes. Huddersfield Town are 13th with 352. Fulham are seventh with 445. Okay. And what's interesting about this is that. Several of these categories I just read to you, Max, in the league, former either seventh or eighth. So that's actually pretty encouraging. What are your thoughts about the comparison here? Yeah, I think it's interesting. The one thing that popped out to me is actually not about Huddersfield, but about us um, that yeah. were eighth in the league for, for long balls per match, which is always surprising. Yeah. I remember last yeah. year in the championship, we were always last. You know, dead last or second last. Exactly. What do you yeah. think that says, Max? Good question, because I was actually just thinking about it. And my hypothesis, tell me what you think of this is that because we've tried to play the ball out of the back so many times, and it's really failed, we've been forced to hoof it long in desperation a number of times just so we don't get caught in the back. And that's what's really this down to, is that we're trying to play out from the back, teams press, and we panic and have to hit it long. So that's really my my observation. Um, What do you think of that? It makes sense. It totally makes sense. And uh, what's interesting about, our latest goalkeeper, we'll, we'll put it in those terms, is that uh, he's not afraid to kick it long. He still, obviously, it's pretty obvious that he's been instructed to try to play the ball out from the back. But I've seen him do it more often than, say, Bednelli or Fabri before him. So maybe the fear of playing the ball off from the back, the mistakes, has led to more of that. So, yeah, that makes sense, Max. Yeah. And then uh, another thing that was surprising – uh, was, was probably just, you know, the goals, the goal scored. You know, four goals all season for Huddersfield. Yep. That's, yep. Kind of, that's just, that's invisible. In 10 matches, score four goals. But yep. at the same time, I'm looking at the table right now. We have the exact same goal difference as them. Negative 17, both worst in the league. Yep. Our defense, we scored 11. Scored seven more. We also conceded seven more as they have. So, <laughs> you know, you look at goal difference, it's usually a good sense of where teams are. Sure. We have the exact same goal difference. That's a very good point there, my friend. All right. Let's go on and let's go through strengths and weaknesses of Huddersfield Town to get a, a good idea of what WhoScored.com thinks of them in these uh, categories. So let's start with strengths. It says, strong at aerial duels and stealing the ball from the opposition. I will throw in style of play because I think that will help us when we talk about strengths and weaknesses. So here's the style of play. Play with width, attacking down the right, take long shots. I noticed that when I watched a bunch of video on them. Attempt crosses often, same thing. Playing in their own half, same thing. I, I've noticed a lot of these characteristics of style of play with Huddersfield myself when I, when I was watching video on them. So what are your thoughts about strengths and also style of play? Yeah, I think we know they're probably going to be looking for those balls in the box to, to, to Depoitre, you know, the big yep. uh, Belgian center forward. And, you know, they have Moyes now playing out on the wing. He used to play in center mid, but now he's playing more of a wing position for them. And we know 
I've seen him a lot in the past. His set base delivery is superb. His uh, crossing delivery is superb. He's yep. one to look out for. And yeah, they like the straight talk, shots and distance. I think Alex Pritchard, he's kind of playing right in behind the block, trying to kind of a 4 4 1 1 in previous yep. matches. He'll be a danger to look out for. Absolutely. And they do have some quality players, but looking at their team, just as their predicted starting 11 for the Fulham match, this isn't really a Premier League team for me. No. This team reminds me a lot, although some different players, but a lot of the team we played in the championship a couple of totally times. Totally agree. Um, and that is, that's kind of encouraging for us, and I think it shows where both teams are on the table at the moment, that this is not really a team to, to be afraid of. This team is not a team that creates a lot. They don't score many goals. Um, and we really, I'm going to touch on this later towards the end, the key to victory, but we cannot be afraid to take the match to Huddersfield. We cannot just sit back. We have to be on the front foot from the off. Totally agree, Max. And when we get into three keys to victory and really breaking down how Fulham can win this match, I certainly am going to bring up the two matches the last time we played them in the uh, championship because I think that you can learn a lot from that. And I think Savica has an advantage over uh, Wagner. And uh, just want to say that because these were two convincing wins. He knows how to beat this manager. Let's just say it the way it is. That's why I'm a little confident going into this. No, it's the championship, but you just said it. It's still a similar type of team, and Fulham have much more quality players in Savisa's system, and I like our chances. I'll just say that off the bat, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So we've already touched a little bit about key players. For me, you just talked about the one player that actually scares me a little bit, and that's Aaron Moy. He's a very talented player, but someone else you also mentioned was Pritchard. Those are the two players that stand out to me, Max. Anyone else that you haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about? I think uh, some credit has to go to Lossel in goal. Okay. I think in many matches I've seen of them, their losses could have been a lot worse uh, if it had not been for his saves. So okay. he's another one to look out for. Okay. Just also want to mention, we have to go and talk about their weaknesses because there are weaknesses here. Let's see how that helps out Fulham here. They're weak. Finishing scoring chances. Avoiding individual errors. Defending against attacks down the wings. Very weak at defending against skillful players. Defending counterattacks, very weak as well. So those are the, their weaknesses. When I'm going through this, Max, I see advantages here for Fulham in several of their weaknesses. Would you agree with me? Yeah, that's fair. But also, you know, if you'd read that out and not told what team you were describing, it could have been Fulham as well, honestly. That sounds like us. Sounds like us. But yeah, I think the one that jumped out for me, just watching you know, last, last, last match they played against Watford, Yep. He's defending against skillful players. Yes. Two of their goals, right? I'm sure everyone's seen this. The De La Feo goal and the Pereira goal. Oh, the Pereira goal is crazy. <laughs> they just walk through the back. Walk goal. right through it. I mean, it's honestly like watching Fulham play in some ways. That's, that goal really reminded me a lot of the goal that uh, Watford scored against us, um, their first goal in the match we played. They just kind of like yep. bulldozed through our back four with no resistance, right? So that for me jumps out. Meet Andrew Sherlock, right? Undershot, look at that goal. And oh, just he should be just, just yeah. you know, be all excited about playing against this team because he can. Exactly. I, he's the one player that, if you really think about that, could really take advantage of this team. It's him. Yeah. He's a guy who just loves to take the ball and not give the ball away. But if he can do that and just run right through, I'm very happy for him to do that. Yep. Another player, Mitrovic, right? I yep. can just see them bull- bulldozing right through. We, we saw, I saw him do it uh, at glimpses against Manchester City. Uh, in the in the cup on Thursday, when he just kind of took the ball, you know, muscled off company and tried to run. 
eventually was yep. mobbed by a bunch of players. But against a team like Huddersfield, I think he can just, you know, put, put his head down, take the ball to goal, and, and just see what happens. So a lot of opportunities, yes. A lot of good chances for us to take advantage of the weaknesses because they do have a lot, and that's really why they bothered the league. Okay, very good, my friend. All right, let's go through matchups. These are always interesting because we can try to get a, a gauge which team has the advantage overall, and I'm going to give you a few of them. Let's start with Fulham's attack versus Huddersfield Town's defense. Who do you give the advantage to and why? Mm, it's tough because our attack has kind of gone under the radar in recent weeks because our defense has been so bad, but we have not created a lot in attack. And Mitrovic has been frustrated. Sherla and whoever the winger has been hasn't had that much joy, honestly. But I think a big factor <clears throat> is Kearney. Kearney is going to make our totally so much more dangerous in that final third. He's going to add a cutting edge, that final pass to unlock the defense. So right now I'm going to have to go with Fulham. Fulham's attack over Huddersfield. Okay. Now let's go to Huddersfield Town's attack versus Fulham's defense. This is interesting because both teams are poor in these situations. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say even here, honestly, because I don't think Huddersfield <laughs> – I mean – that's, it's tough. Fulham, I'm going to give Fulham a slight edge. Okay. Just considering the fact that Huddersfield have only scored four goals all season, I mean, in 10 matches, that's just, that is baffling. I mean, and they would probably say, say the same thing about our defense. We can see the 28 goals in 10 games, which is also baffling. Um, but considering that I think we'll have Session playing yep. at the back, <clears throat> in addition to Foster Mensa, who, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's better than what we've had before. And we've recon goal, which I think is going to give us a boost. I think our defense is a slight edge. Okay, very good. All right, I'm going to say that this is an advantage to Fulham. I'm curious if you agree with me on this. And this goes back to history because I think Savisa owned Huddersfield Town those two matches. Who has the coaching advantage? It's tough because I think you're, you're right. When Fulham played Huddersfield back in the championship, you know, it was a combined score of 9-1 right, over the two matches. So that tells you all you need to know about then. But, I mean, David Wagner, he kept Huddersfield up in the Premier League he did. against all odds last season, right? <clears throat> no one gave him a fighting but chance. But the team he struggled against, even when he was in the championship, there was one team, and it was Fulham. Yeah. That being said, Slavis is unproven in the Premier League. He's had his faults as of late. I think we know that. I'm going to have to go with uh, the Huddersfield in this situation. I think oh, I Wagner is a better. <laughs> I, I mean, I, listen, I want to go with Slavisa, sure, but okay. who has – I mean, until he's gotten, kept the team up in the Premier League, shown okay. any type of Premier League experience, I'm going to have to go with uh, David Wagner. Um, I think he got this one wrong. I think I'm going to be proven right. I think I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If I'm proven right, that's good for both of us anyways. All right, let's move on. Now let's go into three keys to victory. So let's do this first. Before we go into your keys, I want you to look at it as the manager of Huddersfield Town. How do they win this match? Put your shoes in his shoes. Oh, it's simple. Press Fulham from minute one. Force that leaky back four into mistakes. <clears throat> really take a, take a page from the Cardiff book. Don't let them have the ball. Play as the home team. Uh, put a lot of crosses in. Put, the, put Riemann and Doyle in a lot of pressure. Again, win the ball up the pitch. And, yeah, favorite set pieces attack them when we're vulnerable. Um, because if they go at our back four, that's how they're going to win because that's our weakest part. They can't sit back and let us have the ball that much because that's how we're going to want to play. Sure. So I think we're going to touch later, but the key to victory for either team is who controls the tempo. 
who dominates the match. Because if one team can force the other team to play the way they want to, then that's game over, I think. Because I think it's clear that Fulham, if we play our way, we'll win. But also if Huddersfield, if they force us to defend and put us under pressure, I think they have a really good shot. Okay, excellent. So let's go through your three keys. Would that be your first key then? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, number one, like I said just earlier, yeah, we have to go from minute one and impose our style of play on Huddersfield. If we pass the ball, if we possessed, we'll have far too much quality for them. And really, we'll be able to find their weaknesses. And there are a lot of weaknesses in defense for them. We know that if, if a player runs at defense, they're not going to be very good at stopping them. We know if we possess the ball, they'll get tired, they'll run. And I have a lot of confidence in Kearney and Sari with Angisa being the defensive anchor, we can dominate them in, in that key area of the pitch. Okay, so that's excellent. Okay, I'm going to give my keys. My number one key, withstand the storm, Max. This is anywhere between the first 10 and 20 minutes because I think they're going to come out all fired up. They know how important this match is, and that crowd's going to be behind them. That's going to be a difficult place to play. If you can come out of that first between 10 to 20 minutes in good shape, I think you have a good chance of winning this match. And I think a lot is going to tell us how Fulham react in these 20 minutes. Now, let me just say this. If Huddersfield Town get the first goal, I don't think the match is over. I, I don't because I've seen this before. It will be how Fulham react to going down a goal because I think they can score more than one goal against this team, and I think they can win the match. It will be about the reaction of going behind. I think if Fulham get a head max, they're going to win this match. But even if they go behind and say the first 10 to 20 minutes, the match isn't over. But I think withstanding the storm the beginning of this match is key. How will Fulham react? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. My second key is going to be a slight variation on that. But I agree okay. entirely with what you said. We have to score first. <clears throat> I think you look at the okay. problems of the past of matches, and it's, it's probably obvious to say, but if you don't score first, you're probably going to lose, right? That's what happened. When we lose, we don't score first. If we get the first goal here, that is such a game changer because it puts us on the front foot. And it forces Huddersfield to chase, which gives us really plays into our hands, I think. You know, but look what happened against Cardiff in, in a very similar match to this. We still scored first, and we failed to, to really emphasize. We failed to take initiative. We failed to um, make that lead a valuable one. They equalized five minutes later. But I really truly think if we concede first away at Huddersfield, heads will drop. Based on, our current, based on our current firm, players will start to question themselves and it will really leave us with a mountain to climb. Okay, so you're going with score first. My second's going to be get the fullbacks involved offensively as much as possible. And I think this is key to this game because I think if we really attack them, this is also goes back to you talking about basically forcing our style on them. And if we are in attack mode and not give them a chance to really respond to that. I think this is key to the match. I would like to see Ryan Sessignon and Timothy Fosumensa get very involved offensively because I think they also have the ability to get back and cover defensively. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's key. That's one thing we've missed consistently all year is that we haven't had fullbacks attacking. And lastly, of course, target Fredericks were excellent in that regard and that they always got up the pitch and really supplement our attacks. And that's been absent this year and really showed why we've been so weak in those kind of left-back, right-back positions because we lost the, our attacking threat and teams don't really respect that anymore. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see Sessegnon also get in the attack. We know how good he can be playing in almost a left wing-back role. Hopefully he gets up. And we've seen Fossa Mensa as well. Those driving runs he had a number of times against Bournemouth, very dangerous. 
but almost pulled a Ryan Fredericks in that once he got in those really good positions, could not pick out a good final ball. So he'll have to work on that uh, against Sonnenstrom. Okay. Your third key. Third key, get Mitch Rich involved. You know, he was the Premier League top scorer for a while back around the season when he got service, and we know how dangerous he can be. But he's just been so starred of any decent opportunities in the last couple of matches that he's gone missing, and we cannot have that happen. He is, without a doubt, our best attacking talent. He needs to be on the ball. He needs to get crossed in the box. He needs to feed off the energy of other attacking players. If we can get him involved, I'm very confident that we can win the match. Okay. You just ticked me off because you took my third key. <laughs> get Mitrovic involved. But I'm going to do a little spin on that just to make it a little bit different because I initially was going to do it this way. But I wrote down Mitrovic involved, <laughs> but I have the word after it as, as being key as well. Early. Get him involved early because, again, make him the threat. Make them worried about him early, whether he scores or sets up his teammates. Get the ball to Mitrovic. So I'm there with you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, good, because we take it for granted how good he is. And he's just been ignored the last couple matches because we've been You can't leave that player isolated. Listen, Mitrovic wants to help. He keeps coming deeper and deeper, Max, and, and he needs to stay further up the pitch where he can be dangerous. Exactly, and I think I'm confident this is a match where he can really thrive. I, you know, I, I know he's going to come out there and play well. You know, I, I can feel. I agree. Solis is going to have the, the lads really up for this. He's going to know he's key, and I, I think he's going to come out there with a point to prove really early on. So listen, you know, even if I'm being isolated, I'm still going to contribute. I'm still a player I was back in you know September, August. Okay, great show, my friend. This is fantastic. I'm glad that we tried. This uh, Let's see what the uh, Cottage Talk listeners think of it. But before we go, we have to give our predictions. I'll go to you first. I'll just feel nil, Fulham one. It's wow. going to be tight. It's not going to be easy. But I think we will get that first goal, and we'll see it out for our first clean sheet of the season. Wow. <coughs> Max, this is going to shock you. I'm Mr. Positivity today. I'm feeling good. I'm going for a route. I'm going 4-1 to one to Fulham. I'm going for a return of two years ago. I'm not going three to one. I'm going four to one. It's all leading up to this. This is the match that changes the season. I say a big victory, not two to one, not three to one, four to one. Everyone can mock me. Mock me all you want. Let's see if I'm right. Listen, Russ, I should be the one being mocked. If anything, this Fulham team is much more capable of producing a 4-1 win than a 1-0 win. That's right. So, although it seems like yours, yours is the outlandish one, Yours is much more likely than us keeping a clean sheet. So well, let's see what happens Monday night. <laughs> let's, let's see what happens, my friend. But again, I, I've given this a lot of thought. And it's easy, Max, and I think you're going to agree with me, to go along with what everyone's saying. I see and hear everyone talking about what the so-called experts are saying about foam right now. And I want a little commentary on that to end the show. There's one journalist that I – trust very much his opinion on. And that's Ryan O'Donovan from Football Doll London. Ryan's down there each and every week. And I'm not counting people from, say, Hamian.com, Full Mission, and fan sites that are covering the team because they do a great job anyways. I'm just talking about the journalists for a site like Football Doll London or one of the major newspapers or one of the major networks. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about so-called experts because I don't think they know crap when it comes to Fulham. They're not watching every match. They're just looking at the stats. They're looking at the highlights. They don't know what's going on. I watch every match. You watch every match. 
We know the players that they have. We know what they're capable of doing. And I'm telling everyone, do not buy their crap because they're just going on what they're seeing right now. They don't watch every single match of Fulham. Just let's call it what it is because I I have people telling me they saw this on Sky Sports. They read this here. And unless Ryan O'Donovan is saying it or one of us are saying it, Hamian is saying it, Fulmish is saying it, then I wouldn't buy it. I, I, I would certainly buy if the guys from the Fulmish podcast or Fulham Focus are saying it or from Hamian.com, Cottagers Confidential. If these are the guys saying it, okay, take some stock. Friends of Fulham.com, they're talking about, give it some stock. But if you're talking about some of these guys in the media that don't watch it each and every week, tell them to go screw because I don't buy their opinions on Fulham. Sorry. I just had to go through that little rant there, Max. Yeah, but you're completely right. And it infuriates me as well because – You and I talked about this on the show. Exactly. P- people who don't know the situation at Fulham think they're qualified to speak about it as an authority. And it's just, it's just totally infuriating because they simply don't know what they're talking about. No, they don't. And you can't. You can't know what you're talking about if you don't know the club, if you don't do your homework. And, you know, that's really what modern punditry is based on sound bites, right? Yep. Sound bites and big names. And neither of those things are conducive to actually the truth. So that's really the sad reality of the situation. But listen, what they're doing is working in some ways because when Ian Wright or Keith Andrews or some idiot really goes on, BBC, Talk Sport, Sky Sport, and says yep. something inflammatory, right? We all, we all watch it and we comment and we say, this is ridiculous. They don't know what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, a view from us who say it's ridiculous is the exact same as a view from someone else who thinks it's right. And it pays the exact same amount for those networks. So in, in some ways, you know, I'm not saying don't click. You know, who knows what I'm saying? Right. But I'm saying we're falling into their traps. All they want is a reaction. Oh, yeah. All they want is a page view, an article view. And that's what we're giving them. Totally agree, Max, and this is something that I know all too well, and it's ignore the noise, and that's all it is. It's noise. They don't know Fulham Football Club. If you want to buy what they're giving you, buy it. I don't buy it because I watch it every week. Don't listen to them. Listen to us. Listen to Fulhamish. Listen to Fulham Focus. Read Hemian. Read Cottage Confidential. Read the sites that know Fulham through and through, not the people just trying to elicit. And also the boot room, by the way, which you are part of. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. (laughs) But again – these are the people that know the team, all of that I just mentioned to you. Not Sky Sports, not Talk Sport. They don't know Fulham Football Club. And, of course, Friends of Fulham, a great message board. They know Fulham. If they have an opinion, I would listen to it. And, you know, and, again, these are the places that I go to. And people are just sending me all of these comments, and I just laugh at it because they mean nothing because these people aren't concentrating just on foam. They are looking at the league as a whole. And uh, I just think it's ridiculous. Don't listen to them. Ignore that noise. Don't ignore the noise from the people that I told you to listen to because these are good people. These are the people that know your club. Trust me on that. All of these sites that I mentioned that follow Foam Football Club is fan sites, blogs, podcasts. They all know the team. Listen to them. All right. That's my... uh, Ending rant that my friend. Any final thoughts before we go? Monday night football, it's always a pleasure to be a part of it. It's the first one. I mean, I don't know in how many years in the Premier League, probably over over four. But 
we have to take advantage of this for us. This yep. is our chance. So I think we've said this. I mean, come on. I've said this last three matches. When, how long am I going to keep fucking saying this? This is our chance to turn around our season, right? We've hit rock bottom. Now is a chance to go in the up and start this run that we all know this team is capable of. Yep. All right. Very good there, my friend. I'm feeling confident. And again, I'm sure people are going to say, oh, there's Russ being super confident. He doesn't know what's going to happen here. Why is he being so confident? And I'll just end by saying that um, history is on foam side this time. It is. It's just on foam side when it comes to Huddersfield Town and Fulham. And I know they're two years removed, but coaches are the same. And a lot of the players on Huddersfield Town are, are the same. And let's hope there aren't many similar players for Fulham because that was a championship team. But I know that the styles match up well. Savisa knows how to play against this coach. I like Fulham's chances. They'll be set up to win. And now it'll just be on the players to execute the game plan and win the match. And I think they're going to four to one. All right. Great show, my friend. But let's wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.